I'm turning to the book of Judges now, and I'm going to preach to a group of people in this church today that I often don't single out or preach to, and I'll explain why. It took me decades to learn how to appreciate a godly woman. I wasn't raised by my mother. I was raised by a grandmother. My mother put me out, as you already know, when I was about that big, four years old. Two-and-a-half-year-old brother on one side, nine-month-old brother on the other, and left us standing in a bus station, me holding their hands, and took my clothes off of me, said she was going to give them to my neighbor that lived down the street. These were formative memories that were very impacting for me and made me distrustful. And I had the privilege of meeting a wonderful woman of God that God allowed me to marry in his will. And I learned what I know about mothers and women in general from her. And it took me years to get some of the other stuff out of my head. Don't know that I've gotten it all out yet. Because things like that affect you profoundly. On the other hand, I think I have an advantage some of you do not have. You were raised in an entirely functional home. You can't appreciate like I can having a good home because you take it for granted. I didn't have one to take for granted. I'm reading in the book of Judges chapter 5 verse 6 through 7. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted. And the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I... Deborah arose, arose a mother in Israel, mighty God of heaven and earth, and all that therein is. Speak to us today. Guide us by the principles of your word. I ask that you would do so, that our hearts not only could be illuminated, but that our thinking might be shaped and molded to the principles of Scripture, and that we therefore, in such a position, might be able to move forward in the will of God to accomplish your plans for our lives and for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. My subject this morning is woman, nurturer and defender of godly dreams. The family is not a creation of culture, nor is it a sociological phenomenon. You would hear that in classes on sociology. It's not true. It is the creation of God. As I've been teaching in this series, the mighty Jehovah God whom we serve and whose we are established the family. He did so because he knows the best way for people to find and live in fulfillment and happiness. God also established the roles that exist within the family. Those are not the creation of culture, history, sociology. That's not where those roles come from. These roles were designed by God, and if taken seriously, they cause the family to become an unstoppable force for what I like to call for good and for God. How many of you want your family to be unstoppable and a force for good and for God? I spoke last week about men, the week before that about men, what our role consisted of and what God expects of us as men. But it isn't enough to just say to the man, this is what you're supposed to do and stop there, is it? You can't just say to the man, do these seven things 
and your family will prosper as though the success of the family rests solely upon his shoulders. It's not fair. While men do play a vital role in the family structure, it is also important that we understand the other roles and dynamics that exist in the family that are equally vital. Amen. It is especially, especially, and I underscore that, necessary that we know the role the woman was created by God to feel. Not only do the women need to know it, men need to know it. Her role is every bit as important to the well-being and prosperity of the family as is the man's. We often hear about the problems caused by the failure of men to do their part and the harm created by the absence of fathers from the home. That's true. Make no mistake, it does affect the family. But it is equally devastating when women do not understand their role or they are absent from the home. As I've already mentioned, I have first-hand experience and the effect of that. That's why I thank God for the wonderful and godly women who make such a profound difference in the lives of their family members and in this, the lives of, of the people of this church. I thank God for my wife. I want to tell you something. And men, you better perk up and respond when I say this. Ladies, you are nothing short of amazing. Amen. You are amazing. Sadly, there are many women today who don't have time for the things of God or the things he thinks are important. Society has tilted against the family and the roles that God created. They think life, many women do, is all about them. Get between them and their efforts to have fun and you will regret it. After getting mixed up with one such woman, Boudreaux told his friend Thibodeau. He said, you know, Tib, I've learned the only difference between an evil, uncaring, and mean-spirited woman like that woman Maria was seeing and a pit bull is lipstick. <laughs> Amen. You ever have a woman like that? It's also unfortunate. They were living a time when people, when it comes to romance, they're looking for romance and money. There are some women, unless you've got the money, they don't have the honey. They don't have any time for you. One guy who was so down on his luck that he couldn't even get a girlfriend said, if I had a dollar for every girl that found me unattractive, they would all find me attractive. Amen. That's in bad, being in bad shape. And concerning money, someone else said that a successful man is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. But a successful woman is one who can find such a man. Amen. <laughs> or again, speaking of money, one day Boudreaux asked Marie, said, Cher, would you still have married me if my daddy hadn't left me all that money? Marie replied, replied Boudreaux, darling, I would have married you no matter who left you all that money. <laughs> We've all heard of women like that. That's not the image of a godly woman, isn't it? Is it? A woman, a, the question then is, where does a woman who wants to learn how to be a godly woman and who wants to know the role that God designed for her to feel, where does she go to find that out? You can't go to the media. You're not going to learn it in university. You won't learn it in school. You're not going to learn it by watching productions that come out of Hollywood. That's for certain. 
There's only one place you can go to find the roles that God created a woman to fill, and that's the same place a man's got to go. Right here in the book that is called the Bible. Amen. The Bible is the greatest book that has ever been written without question. It contains the wisdom of the creator of the universe and all that is in the universe. In the Bible and through its teachings, we come to understand what the role of the woman in this world and the the family is supposed to be like. We also find in the Bible how men are supposed to value, respect, and honor them. We learn, for example, from the Bible, there are some things a man should never do. This is not in the Bible, but here's something, men, you should not do. A recent study has found that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who dare to mention that to them. (laughs) As I said, that's not in the Bible, but it would be good for you to write that down and remember it. Amen. I want to give you several principles that if you will embrace them, they will change your family, your marriage, and your home. And whether you're a man or a woman, when you are living as God wants you to live, and you are fulfilling your calling and your assignment, I promise you this, you enjoy a state of satisfaction and and happiness that you will never find anywhere else. It is unparalleled. When you are not living as God instructs you to live, Know this, and I'll be equally emphatic, you are not going to find the state of fulfillment and happiness that you're striving and hoping to find. It doesn't matter who you're with, how much you have, where you live, what car you drive. You're going to find out that real fulfillment in life is the result of following God's instructions for your life. The first thing that I want to point out, and let me direct your attention to this because it's one of the most important principles that that you will discover in living that governs relationships, and I'm serious. It is one of the most important you will ever learn. It is this. When you aren't fulfilled and happy, you will inevitably cause others to be unhappy also. Those nearest you will not be happy either. Another way of saying the same thing is when mama's not happy, nobody in the house is happy. When mama's upset, nobody's going to sleep well. Proverbs 27, 15 said it this way, a nagging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. (laughs) You can't turn it off and you can't get away from it either. Proverbs 21, 9, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Men, I know you're timid. And you're, you're fully cognizant of who's sitting right next to you. But do be aware it doesn't hurt to say amen to the word of God. Nobody wants this to be the story of their family life. These verses could just as easily, of course, apply to living with a cantankerous, mean-spirited, and ungrateful man. But we've already talked about men, so I'm going to talk today about women. I want to talk to you about some principles. I'm not going to talk to you about who does the cooking or the housekeeping or 
the laundry, because in today's complicated world with both husbands and wives having to work outside the home, oftentimes those responsibilities should be shared, and it's something you should understand, whether you're a man or a woman, that you need to do your part in. Instead, I want to talk to you about things that directly affect the destiny of your family. Second principle. A woman is not inferior to a man. Oh, that was so weak. Guys, let me in, let me let you in on another secret. Your wife just watched how you responded to what I just said. I'm going to say this again and give you a chance to redeem yourself. A woman is not inferior to a man. Thank you. You'll be glad you did that. She is his equal in the eyes of God. Look at what the Bible says, Genesis 2, 18 through 20. And the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Mm. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And that's when God said, it's not good that man would be alone. And so what God did was create the woman. And when she did, when she was created and and Adam looked up at her, And saw her and God presented her to Adam. He was looking at somebody that God said was comparable to him. And Adam's response was that she is just like me. She's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's made out of the same thing I'm made out of. The same stuff. Amen. In other words, a woman has the same inherent value as the man himself possesses. God made the woman to be equal to the man and to stand beside him, not behind him, not in front of him, alongside him as his equal. I wish I could hear somebody say that's right. Woman, you have no idea how powerful you really are. I want you to know. That when it comes to women having equal rights, the Bible supported that long before it became fashionable. Because God understands the value of every woman. Amen. The third principle is in looking through the scripture to try and determine what the role of godly women should be like. There are two significant things that continue to stand out, at least to me, when I read through the scripture. And I want you to think about this. The scripture shows us over and over again that among other things, a woman has the power to both nurture and defend godly dreams. And that's what I want to talk about. All of us have dreams or hopes for our lives You may not have ever thought about it in quite the way I'm going to express it, but even God has dreams for this world and his people or plans. Over and over again, we find that God actually uses dreams to speak to people. Job 33 verse 14, for God speaks again and again 
though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. God knows how when you're really busy and you don't have time to listen and he can't talk to you. God knows how to slip up when the lights are dim and everything is still and begin to speak to you in a way you can't turn away from. How many of you have ever had God speak to you in a dream? I have. Amen. I look at the Bible. So many dreams. Jacob dreamed a dream of a ladder that stretched to heaven during which God showed him the path into his future and in which God assured Jacob that he would be with him. Joseph dreamed two dreams that were given to him by God that changed the course of his life and brought him into destiny. Pharaoh dreamed a dream that was from God and that God used to elevate Joseph from prison. In one day, he went from the dungeon to the throne. Ultimately, God's purpose was to use both Joseph and Pharaoh to preserve the fledgling and tiny nation of Israel from a famine that was coming that only God could see. In Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed a dream in which God revealed to him future empires that would come until the millennial reign of Christ was established. In Joel, God said young men would dream dreams and old men would see visions. In Matthew, we read that Jesus was born and Joseph dreamed a dream in which the angel of the Lord told Joseph to flee into Egypt because Herod was seeking to kill the newborn Christ. All of these and more in the scripture are dreams God gave that he could guide the affairs of men to fulfill his purposes. In other words, God had a plan and he showed and revealed that plan in a dream. Therefore, you could say it wasn't really Joseph's dream. It was God's that God was giving to him. These are all dreams that came from God. He gave them and used them to reveal the future for his people. One of the things you notice about dreams in the course of your life is that they must be nurtured and defended until they become reality. They must. You can't give up on a dream. You don't sit back and twiddle your thumbs and wait for it to happen because there's an enemy out there who'll destroy every dream he possibly can because he knows who they came from. And if it's fulfilled in your life, it will bring pain to him and his kingdom, and it will advance the kingdom of God. So he sets about to destroy your dream, just like he did in Egypt. In the case of Moses, when every male child, two years of age and under, was killed because Pharaoh was afraid of the one that was coming, that would rise up to be the leader that would deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Satan moved Pharaoh to kill every one of those male children, two years of age and under, because he knew a deliverer was coming. That's why in today's world, abortion is such an important part of Satan's strategy. You need to know this. Don't you think an abortion is just a woman's issue? It's not about that at all. It's about an enemy that is trying to destroy somebody that is coming that could wreak havoc in his kingdom. Who knows? Amen. Who knows? Maybe one of those children among the 65 million aborted in America would have found a cure to cancer. One of them might have found a cure to Alzheimer's or sickle cell anemia. Somebody else could have been a great preacher, a great pastor, a great songwriter, a great worship leader, a great president. 
you don't know how many are in the grave that never got a chance because the enemy was seeking to destroy them because God had a dream for their lives. Amen. Women have a, been given unique abilities by God. He has chosen them to, among other things, nurture and defend his dreams for mankind, both corporately and individually. And it is within this context that we look at our verse. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. In Deborah's time in the book of Judges, God's dream of a nation that would someday give birth to the Messiah was teetering in the balance. It was in trouble. The nation of Israel was in danger of being swallowed up by their enemies. And God raised up a woman to nurture and defend that dream. And she says, until I arose a mother in Israel, village life ceased. The villages were dying. People had to live and walk down byways, not the highways, because of the enemy. The word that is used here for mother in the Hebrew literally means the bond of the family. In other words, the glue that holds everything together. That's what God called the woman. That's what God called Deborah. Deborah arose as glue to hold things together. Another word that is interesting, our English word, mother. Everyone enjoys a good cup of tea or coffee, usually one, we drink one or the other. Any Starbucks fans in the house today? Amen. You, you like your lattes, your cappuccinos, whatever it is, or a good cup of tea. How many of you remember the days before they had tea bags when there were grounds at the bottom of the teacup? Anybody remember when the, the, the coffee grinds used to be at the bottom of the, of the cup of coffee? Now, we don't necessarily like those, but did you know that the word mother actually comes from a Dutch word, moder, and strangely, that's what it means. It means the tea leaves in the bottom of the cup or the coffee grounds in the bottom of the cup after you drink it. And it looks uncomplimentary until you realize there would be nothing but just water if it wasn't for those tea leaves. There would be no flavor if it wasn't for those beans from Kenya Hello, somebody. Amen. Similarly, when you get down to the bottom of life, you will find that what gives a family flavor is a godly woman in the home. Oh, listen to what I'm talking about. Lady, you might not be appreciated, but let me tell you something. Even if they look at you like you're the coffee grinds in the bottom of the cup, it wouldn't have any flavor if you had not been there. Israel was in danger of being forgotten. Fourth principle. Men and women are each given different assignments by God and in the abilities necessary to fulfill those assignments. The assignment of men is different from that of women. You can say all day long that there's no difference between the sexes, but there is. Man is created to be unique in this regard. He gives a woman something small, but it doesn't end there. Woman is unique in this sense and that she has the capacity to take what is small and grow it into something great. A man gives a woman a seed that is so small that it can't even be seen unless you look at it under a microscope. But she has the ability to nurture that and grow it into a nine-pound baby. Oh, come on now. And then when that baby is born, she knows how to nurture that to become a teenager. 
And when that becomes a teenager, she knows how to grow that into a young adult. That's the way life functions. Men are accustomed to giving things that are small. That's in our nature. And the woman, on the other hand, has the ability to grow it. This creates conflict between the sexes because men and women expect their companion to think just like them. So the man gives something small and thinks the woman ought to appreciate it. And the woman looks at him and says, what in the, is going on in his head? Amen. The woman asks for money to buy groceries. He generously lays $20 on the table, puffs his chest out like he's done something. And she looks at him and says, what do you expect me to do with that? He's thinking she can buy a whole car full of groceries with a $20 bill because we're accustomed to giving something small and our women growing it into something big. Hello, somebody. That's why when a man leaves for work and he slips up behind his wife and kisses her and says, baby, I love you so much. She can take that and grow that from that little old sentence into something big. And by the time he gets home and opens the door, she's all over him. And good times are at the old ranch. Amen. Because she grew that into something big. On the other hand, he can make one little statement, like something about dinner last night, and he gets home and she's grown that from that little statement, until when he walks in, there is a chill in the atmosphere. You breathe and the fog comes out of your mouth, it's so cold, in your breath. And he says, what we having for supper? And she says over her shoulder, I don't know, whatever you choose to cook. Because she grew it into something big. Women have the capacity to grow something small into something that impacts the world they live in and that you live in. This is the way things work in the kingdom as well. Peter says that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. What is the word? It's a seed. When God gives a word, he's giving a seed. I got to preach to you. That word of that seed may be very small, but if you will grow it, it can become something big. We men, when we pray for a tree, we mean a full-grown tree with apples on the branches. But what God does is give you a seed and he expects you to grow that into an apple tree. I'm talking to somebody that God's given you a seed that you haven't grown. And you need to grow that seed because you're looking, you're going around, if I can get a word, if I can get a word. You've already got a word. But it's your job to grow that into something that will impact the world around you. A woman doesn't have that concern. She, she's accustomed to growing something small into something big. She nurtures and defends that seed. The word of God, it reminds me of the story of the Chinese bamboo tree. Anybody know about the Chinese bamboo tree? You go downtown and they're building buildings and you will see, you will see scaffolding and, and made of iron and so forth as they begin to erect a structure. You go to Hong Kong or Shanghai 
And they don't have those. You know what they use? They use bamboo. Bamboo. Chinese bamboo, when you plant the seed, it does not appear to grow at all for four years. You water it every day. You expose it to the sunshine. Nothing happens. And for four years, you got to go out there and water that thing. you got to water that thing. Four years. And then in the fifth year, something happens. In six weeks, it grows 80 feet tall. In six weeks. You see, you might not think that it was growing those first four years, but what it was actually doing was sending out a root structure to support what was getting ready to come up out of the ground. And you might not think that word God gave you is going anywhere. But if you will pray over it every day, something is going on in the spirit realm. I'm talking to somebody. I got a word for somebody in this house today. You think God forgot about you. He hasn't. You're wondering if that was a word from God. It was. But you got to grow it. you got to water it. And even when there's nothing you can see because the kingdom does not come with observation, you got to keep on growing it until one day, boom, overnight, Joseph comes out of the dungeon and becomes second in command of the nation of Israel. Y'all pardon me, but I feel my Holy Ghost kicking in. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Abraham means father of nations. He was originally called Abram for the first 75 years of his life. Called father, didn't have a child. And God showed up and called him Abraham, which means father of nations. And he had to wait 25 years before he became father. And he had to wait generations to become father of nations. You don't see anything happening. You walk out and you sprinkle the ground and your neighbor's looking at you saying, what is that crazy fool doing? That's all right. I got a word. I got a word. Tell somebody, I got a word. Would you do that? I feel that working in this house right now. God's got a word for this house. Woo! God's got a word for you and your family. God's got a word for your life. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Bless His name. Somebody give God some praise right now. Woo! Elijah understood this. And that's why when that servant came back from that hilltop on the seventh time and Elijah asked, what did you see? He said, all I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah started packing up his gear and said, you go down and tell old King Ahab, he better get out of the valley. Because in Texas language, we're getting ready to have a frog strangler. Amen. We're going to have a flood. You ever, you ever wonder where Stevie, Stevie Ray Vaughan got that song, Texas Flood? Hmm. I'm getting off into something I better leave alone. But just, that was entirely scriptural. Because what happens is God can take a cloud the size of a man's hand and turn it into a life-altering encounter with a mighty God of heaven and earth. He can change your life. With a seed. 
Let me finish. Fifth principle. Women not only nurture and defend godly dreams, they actually nurture and defend the very dreams of God himself. Luke, the author of the gospel which bears his name, gives us the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't start with the birth of Christ. He starts with the birth of John the Baptist. To give the claims of heaven credibility as to the authenticity of the Messiahship of Christ, he backs up to tell us how John got here, who was Jesus' cousin. And John became the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The one that would herald the coming of the, the Lord and make straight his paths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John was born because Zechariah was in the temple praying for a baby. As an old man, he had not given up his dream. And Elizabeth had not given up her dream. And an angel appeared and told him that prayer you've been praying is going to be answered. Go read it. He was in the temple and praying that prayer. And the result was, Zacharias comes out, can't even speak. He gives the seed to Elizabeth, and she nurtures and grows that to become John. It is only then that Luke picks up the story that Jesus was born and tells us how it occurred. Mary's overshadowed of the Holy Spirit. She meets Elizabeth. John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb and is filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Amen. After Christ's birth, it was Mary who nurtured that dream of Jesus as the Messiah through childhood into adulthood. You don't hear much of Joseph, do you? And the reason you don't hear much of Joseph after that is because it wasn't his role to nurture that dream. It was the mother's. And so when Jesus went missing, it was the mother who said, where did you go? And he said, wish you not that I must be about my father's business. And she hid these things in her heart. Not Joseph, not Joseph, not Joseph. It was Mary who said, they're out of wine at the wedding. She nurtured that dream and defended it, even till the day that Jesus went to the cross. Sixth principle is a wife. A woman not only nurtures and defends God's dreams like Mary did Jesus, but she, a woman can nurture and defend the dreams of her husband. Husband, your wife is the best thing that ever happened to you. I wish I could hear an amen right now. You're looking at her like she's slowing you down. If it wasn't for her, you probably wouldn't be where you are right now. It's her prayers that have opened heaven over your life. I'm preaching right now. Let me preach in the house of God this morning because I feel it in my bones. Many times in scripture, a man dreams something of something great, but it was... It was usually the woman who nurtured and defended that dream until its fulfillment. You see, husband, a godly woman is needed for you to fulfill your dreams. Instead of you complaining about her, why don't you thank God for her? Why don't you say thank you for the prayer she's prayed? Thank you for the cries that she's made to heaven, for the tears she's shed, for the meals she's missed. Because I wouldn't be here without her. Amen. Somebody in the building say hallelujah. hallelujah. Throughout the Bible, men dream dreams. I told you of Abraham, but it was Sarah who nurtured that, that little boy, Isaac, to the point where even when Ishmael and his mother Hagar made life miserable for little Isaac, it was Sarah who said, you get that woman and that boy out of this house because I'm not going to let them hurt this dream. 
Amen. The covenantal promise that God made with Abraham was handed down to his son Isaac, then to his son Jacob. But each time along the way, if you will study the scripture, it was the woman who defended and nurtured that dream. Even in the case, for example, of Isaac and Jacob. Isaac believed it was Esau that was going to make a mark in the world. And God said, I didn't choose him. I chose that boy over there. Because that boy over there has a hunger for God. That's what all he wants is things of this world. That's all he's interested in. Isaac was so blind he couldn't see it. But the woman, Rebecca, understood the dream and though she was the mother to both of them she realized that boy is the one that's going to end up making his mark hello somebody throughout scripture it's been that way you read of timothy that paul talks about as being his son in the gospel but i ask you the question where is timothy's earthly father all we know about him is that he was a greek we don't know if he lived died we don't know if he left the family what happened we don't know if he was a believer or not a believer because when Paul begins to talk about the seed of faith that was planted in Timothy, he said it was put there by your mother and she got it from your grandmother. Amen. Timothy went on to become the pastor of the church in Ephesus that Paul founded in Acts 19 and become the bishop and eventually a martyr in the very streets of Ephesus where he pastored. What made him become such a giant for God. It all started with a little grandmother who handed the seed to the mother and the mother nurtured and defended it. Oh, hear what I'm talking about. Seventh principle, and I'm closing, women not only nurture God's dreams and help nurture the dreams of their husbands, they also nurture and defend the dreams that God gives to their children as well. Your children were meant to make a mark in this world. Yes, they were. We recently had with us, and I've got to close, Alicio Badillo. Alicio is an incredible man of God from Augusta, Georgia. Pastors a, a great church there, son in ministry to someone who is a son in ministry to me, Dr. Gregory Fuller, that some of you may remember from years ago. Alicio came here, visited a son. He's got a son in the Pasadena Police Department. And he spoke for Pastor Joe in the Spanish service on a Sunday afternoon, but he sat right over there the 1115 service. He's one of the greatest men you'll ever meet. Incredible man. Licio's dad was a heroin addict for 17 years when they were growing up. Basically, all his dad did was give a seed to the mother for each one of the children, and that was it. Couldn't hold a job, wouldn't work, strung out on heroin. His mother, on the other hand, was a spirit-filled child of God that never gave up on her marriage. Every single day, Alicio's mom would pray over Alicio, his three brothers, and their sister. Every day. I'm not talking about once a week, once or twice a week. I'm talking about every single day before they walked outside. She would anoint them with oil. And she would prophesy over them. She would prophesy to Elisio and say, you're going to be the pastor in this family. Then she would lay her hands on another son and, and anoint him and say, you're going to be the great international evangelist. Then she would anoint and pray for another son and say, you're going to be the musician. And then to another and say that you're going to be the worship leader and then she would prophesy and pray over her uh, the daughter Elicio's sister and she would say daughter you're going to marry a pastor and you're going to become an incredible pastor's wife and help lead a congregation do you know that today Elicio is a pastor and the other children turned out just as she prophesied the son that she said would be a great international evangelist is an international evangelist with seven books that he's published 
published. Amen. The son, she declared, would be a musician, is a well-known musician on the East Coast and plays in church. The one she prophesied would be a worship leader, today is a well-known worship leader. The sister, she said, would be a pastor's wife, is married to a pastor and they're leading a congregation. She did not let the circumstances of their childhood rob her children of the dream. She nurtured and defended that dream. Sometimes you got to fight for your family. Sometimes you got to fight for what is right. And I close with this, the eighth principle. Women also have the God-given gift and ability to nurture and defend their own godly dreams. I think of Hannah, who dreamed of being a mother, but she too was barren. The difference in Hannah and other barren women was that Hannah refused to be refused. There were other women who were barren too. She would not give up on her dream. God heard her intercession and gave her Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament era. The truth is, is Israel was strained and Samuel was planned by God the whole time. Israel needed Samuel. And the one thing you learn about God is he never leaves the world without what they need. Now, whether you respond to it or not is a different matter, but God will provide what is needed. And the question is whether or not Samuel would have been born to Hannah or somebody else if Hannah hadn't prayed. Because if she hadn't prayed, the God that I serve was not going to leave that nation without somebody. And Samuel would have come some other way. All I know is she didn't give up on her dream. And I close today by asking how many women in this house have a dream that you haven't received yet. Don't let it go. I said, don't let it go. God created you to dream and nurture and then defend godly dreams. Would you stand with me? Ladies, the sky is the limit. You have an an ability and capacity we don't have. Amen. Look at your husband right now and say, look, all this business, are you giving me something small? (laughs) Say, did you hear the sermon? Ask, did you hear the message today? (laughs) When I ask for some money to buy groceries, I mean, I mean money. I mean some dinero, some hard cash, some shekels, some coin, some pesos. You put some rupees down on the table. That $20 bill, you take it yourself. Amen. I want you to come pray with me right now. Come join me. I want to pray for women today. I want to pray for families. Some of you felt like your dreams have been hijacked. Some of you have been made to feel like your dreams didn't matter. Some of you have gone through life believing the man is the one that is significant. You don't really have a role to fill. Some of you, your man wouldn't be where he is right now if it wasn't for you. But you have never received any acknowledgement for your contribution. And I want to close this service today by praying for you and blessing you. And telling you 
that if you've lost your dream along the way, the dream still matters to God. The dream still matters to God. The dream still matters to God. Don't you give up on your dream. Father, I pray right now, and I thank you for these incredible ladies and families that are here. Thank you for the men, too, for some of the teenagers that are in this service today. The children that are in children's ministry, the young people that are out in the youth services right now. I pray for families, God. I pray for families. I pray for your grace upon each one of them. Help us to understand the vital roles that we all feel. To stop demanding that our companion be a replica of who we are, but allow them the privilege of exercising the gifts that you have placed within them. I ask it for your glory. For somebody here today whose dream is faltering, I'm going to ask you to lift up their hands. Breathe life into their dreams again. I wonder how many times in the bottom of that dungeon Joseph questioned the dreams that you gave him. But I pray today for your grace. I want you to heal rifts in families that have been caused by the failure of men and women to understand their respective roles. I want you to heal the breakdown in relationship that has caused pain and distrust, a feeling of not being desired or valued. Because every single person in this building mattered enough to you that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believed in him could have everlasting life. With your hands raised right now, Across this building, husband, if your wife is there with you, why don't you put your hands on her shoulder or put an arm around her? If there are teenagers in this building and your mama's here, reach out and put your arm around her right now. Put your hand on her shoulder. <laughs> Wish I had boys to men here so we could sing mother right now. Amen. <laughs> mama. Pray for your mom right now. Pray for the lady in your life. Pray for that lady. Come on, man of God. Pray for that lady. Come on, young people. She's the nurturer and defender of your dreams. God put her in your life for a reason. You're further down the road because she's a part of your life. She's what gives your life flavor. Don't treat her like the coffee grounds that are going to be thrown out. Don't you dare do it you dare do it she's the glue that holds the family together let her know you appreciate her she's not the enemy she's she's the one standing beside you she's the one helping you she's the one assisting you in your call she is a help me comparable to you she matters in the eyes of God hallelujah to the lamb Come on, somebody pray in the spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. 
for every woman that has felt neglected, every woman that has been bypassed, every woman who has sacrificed and defended and nurtured dreams, who has not been appreciated. Lord, I want you to let them feel the love and appreciation they deserve and teach us as men to know how to show them the respect that we ought to show them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.